0: what would you expect to see? You would expect to see changes, wouldn't you, to the house? Because a king or a queen, they live in a, in a palace. They live in a habitation fit for a king. It reflects their kingdom and their power and the, their glory, the way it is built, the way it is ornamented, the way it is landscaped. If you make a trip to Buckingham Palace to see our queen's, one of our queen's residences, then you will see that it reflects her status, her power, her royal majesty. Well, we are a habitation for the King of Kings. The church is the temple of the living God on this earth. If people want to come near to God, they need to draw near to the church. Because it is to the church that he has given the word and the sacraments. It is through the church that he reveals himself to a lost and dying world. And it is in the church that he displays his character, his power, majesty, love, grace, and truth in this broken world. And so, the church is the temple of the living God. It is the habitation of the king of kings. Not this building but we members, believers, Christians, we are living stones, a spiritual dwelling place of the King of Kings. And the fruit of the Spirit proclaims His presence among us. The more the Spirit pours into our hearts and lives and into our community, the more people can see the character of God. And people ought to be able to point to the church of the Lord Jesus, whether it's here or any other church of the Lord Jesus in Alberta, Canada, and all around the world. Every church of the Lord Jesus, people ought to be able to point to this church and say, God dwells in the midst of those people. You can tell it from a mile up. So how should people be able to tell that God dwells in our midst, that the Holy Spirit of the living God has made us His temple? Well, not through all kinds of fake and made-up manifestations of the Spirit, like some Christians try try to do, spurious revelations or worship services where we're climbing the walls and swinging from the chandeliers. Those aren't what the scripture says are signs of the, the presence of the Holy Spirit. The signs of the presence of the Spirit of God in our midst is when the the community of God's people is full of and overflowing with the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness of equality and character which can only be described as divine. And today, we look at the the next three words in our text, uh, Galatians 5, 22. Patience, kindness, and goodness. And what we'll do in this sermon is we'll look at these three words, how they reflect the character of God, and how this character of God is reflected in us, His children. And we'll also see how these three Aspects of the fruit of the Spirit are connected to one another. And then finally, at the end, if there's time, we'll reflect on the question: what do we do if we're not seeing that in our lives? What do we do if we want to see more of this? What does the scripture teach us? So we'll start then with the first word on of this morning's text: patience. And the word patience here in our text is, is a word which literally, if you translate the the makeup of the word in the Greek language, it literally means far from wrath, far from anger. And the idea here is not patience in the sense of that you're just a very, very boring kind of person that can sit there for hours doing nothing, and it doesn't bother you to be in a waiting room. Not that kind of patience. But it's, it's patience in the sense of that our passions that are bubbling under and boiling just beneath the surface. And we we keep a lid on it in order to live in society, but sometimes we're we're provoked, and sometimes we're offended, insulted, we're upset, and then we just explode. Just immediately we we lash out with anger and and judgment, and sometimes we're even a little bit proud of it. You ever heard someone say, oh, you don't want to see me angry, oh... When I get angry, I really get angry. And there's a, some kind of pride in that. Maybe somebody cuts us off on the road and, and we've been having a, a bad day and, and we just lash out with our words or even with our actions. Road rage is increasing also during all the stress of the pandemic and the economic downturn, ra- road rage is, is increasing. We, 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 when we're tired, and when we're stressed, it's harder to keep the lid on our passions, on our anger. And so we snap at our spouse or we snap at our children for things which normally wouldn't bother us. And so we create an, an environment which is toxic, which is full of fear. And, and sometimes when dad's in a bad mood, then the kids are kind of like, whoa, what's going to set him off now? And we, so we give ourselves over to the works of the flesh. It's something which is inherent to all peoples, all cultures, every man, woman, and child who is a fallen sinner. There's the saying, for instance, in the the Dutch language, which is, you take the blood away from under my fingernails, right? You're getting me irritated. And every culture, every language has similar sayings. I'm gonna lose it. I had a friend in Brazil who would, who would used to say this. He's, he would say, I'm going to enter into the flesh. In other words, I'm just going to give myself over to the anger and the rage of my old nature. And the word patience in our text literally means far from all of that. That does not happen. That does not get quickly uh, aroused in us. You know, sometimes we make an image of God, that He is like us in our sinfulness. We, we, we imagine God sometimes that He is a seething, boiling cauldron of, of seething anger, just waiting to explode and, and lash out when we step out of line, when He simply had enough of us. Is that what you think of God? Sometimes Christians live too long thinking of God that way, angry and always watching for every misstep and then breaking out in rage. That's not at all what the Bible teaches about God. The Bible speaks to us of a God who is patient. He is slow to anger. He is far from anger. It takes a lot to provoke and incite God to the point where he does display his wrath and anger and even when he does he does it in a just and a righteous way turn with me in your bible to exodus 33:18 exodus 33:18 the our brother Moses has asked the lord he says i want to see your glory Moses said, please show me your glory. And so God says, I I will make all my goodness pass before you. All my goodness. And and just make the connection here. The three words that we have before us today are patience, kindness, goodness. They're all connected. So God's going to make all his goodness pass before Moses. And he does that in the next chapter, 34, verse 5. So... Look what God says when he passes all his goodness before Moses, when he proclaims his name before Moses. 34 verse 5 of Exodus, The Lord descended in the clouds, stood with him there, proclaimed the name of the Lord. This is who I am. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger an abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. This is who God is. And did you notice the the part where he said, slow to anger. In the Greek translation of the Old Testament, that's the exact same word that we have in our text, Galatians 5.22. It's the same Greek word. Slow to anger. You could also just write patient. His anger is not quickly aroused. So what we will learn from this as God proclaims to us who he is, he, he displays his goodness in these words. What we learn from this is this. That God's default attitude towards us and towards all of His creation is love, infinite love, and joy, and peace, and mercy, and forgiveness. That's the default attitude or disposition of God to us and to His creation. It takes a lot for God to get angry. He has to be provoked and incited over and over again for His wrath to be aroused. And even then, His anger is righteous. His anger is holy and measured and deliberate. It's not a blind, lashing out in rage. No, it is a holy, righteous, measured, faithful application of His justice. So when you read in the Old Testament, and we read it many times in the Old Testament, that God is slow to anger, just remember that's the exact same word we have in our text, that he is patient. And that's how God has made himself known from the beginning all through the Old Testament. Later on in Numbers chapter 14, if you turn there for a second, Numbers 14 verse 17. Genesis, Exodus, Numbers 14 verse 17. And here, they're about to, well, they were supposed to enter into the promised land, but they, they don't trust God, and they rebel against God. And, and God says to Moses, well, I'm going to destroy this people, start again with you. I've had enough of this people. And he, he's, he's been very, very patient with them. But then look what Moses does. Moses appeals to God's self-revelation of his character. Numbers 14, verse 17 And he says to God, Now please let the power of the Lord be great as you have promised. The Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, forgiving iniquity and transgression. But he will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children to the third and the fourth generation. Moses is saying, God, I ask to see you glory. You proclaimed your glory to me. You, You displayed your character, that you're just pure goodness and love and mercy. And that you're slow to anger. You do not look the other way when there is sin. You do deal with sin. But you are disposed to forgive and to love. And so based on what you've told me about yourself, O Lord, look at verse 19. Please pardon the iniquity of this people according to the greatness of your steadfast love. Just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt until now. Moses says, Lord, you've been doing it for a long time. Please keep doing it. We need your mercy, Lord. If you're going to judge us according to our transgressions, O Lord, who can stand? You are slow to anger, and that's our only hope, O Lord. And then there's Psalm 145, and we, we sang Psalm 145, I don't you? Uh, or we we're going to be sing, singing, Psalm 145 later, but um, If if you turn to Psalm 145, you'll see the same thing. We also sang about in Psalm 86, that you are rich in love and favor, slow to anger, patient ever. Look at verse uh, 8 of Psalm 145. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. Turn to Psalm 103, verse 8. We hear that every Lord's Supper in the form. 103, verse 8. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. I don't have time to go through all the texts in Scripture which teach us this glorious truth that God loves and that He is slow to be angry with us. And that is amazing considering what we deserve. God is a merciful God. If you turn to the New Testament, we see why God shows this patience, why God is slow to anger. He has a point with it all. He's, he's, he's got a goal with all of this. Turn to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. 2 Peter 3, verse 9 in your Bible. And Peter here is, is talking about the, the fact that some people are are questioning God. They're saying, well, what's with God? Why is He not coming back to renew the heavens and, and, and the earth? And then Peter says, well, look at verse 9. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you. That's the word right there that we've been looking at, slow to anger. He is patient toward you. Why? Not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. That's why God lets the world keep going the way the world is going. Because God wants to give sinners another chance. Another day. And today is one more day for those who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ to repent from their sins, to bow the knee, and to confess the name. Because when he rips open the skies and comes back, then the final judgment will be there and it's too late. So God is slow to anger also in the cosmic universal sense of the entire sweep of the history of the world since the fall until the the last judgment. That's who God is. And because God is like this, God expects his people to reflect his character, A, a child, reflects his or her father or mother, that the child reflects the parents, their upbringing, but is also heavily influenced by the character and the personality of the parents. And so God wants his children to be like him. And so the scriptures are full of all kinds of exhortations about that. If you turn to Proverbs 14, for instance, verse 29, Proverbs 14, 29, and the scripture says, Whoever is slow to anger, that's the word that we're looking at, who is patient, slow to anger, has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. So make your choice. Folly is the way of sin and death, and patience and understanding is the way of God, the way of Christ. There are only two ways to live. In fact, there's only one way to live. And that is the way of Christ. Just probably on the same page for you in your Bible, uh, Proverbs 15, verse 18. A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. And then look at chapter 19, verse 11. Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is to his glory to overlook an offense. And then finally we'll flip to James chapter one verse nineteen in the New Testament. James one nineteen and there James says the following James one nineteen. Know this, my beloved brothers, that every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. What does that mean? Well, it means this, that in Christian families and Christian relationships and in the Christian church, to be quick to anger is something that cannot be tolerated. We can't tolerate in ourselves, we can't tolerate in our relationships, in our children, in our families, and in our communion. We can't just say, well, yeah, that brother, he's got a short fuse, but that's just who he is. No. Because to be quick to anger is to deny and reject the gospel. It is to deny the truth of the power of the Holy Spirit to change sinners into righteous and holy children of God. And so what the scripture teaches us to have is a profound desire not to lash out and tell everybody that we're right, not to demand our pound of flesh when somebody has wronged us, not to demand satisfaction, but Scripture teaches God's children to be full of patience, to be slow to anger, to have a deep longing for peace, for restoration, for reconciliation, for healing, forgiveness even when we have every right to be angry. The Holy Spirit teaches us to choose patience and long-suffering. So that's what the word means as far as our interaction as human beings amongst each other. But the word also applies to how we look at life in general. If you turn to James chapter 5... We see how he applies the word patience to our view of uh, the world and and history. James chapter 5, verse 7 to 11. And here he's he's speaking about the fact that a lot of the people to whom he is writing are are suffering greatly as Christians. They're suffering injustice, and and it hurts to follow Christ. They're they're being afflicted. And what does he tell them? 5 verse 7 of James, he says, be patient. And that's the same word that we're looking at in our text. Be slow to get all wound up and angry and lash out and write another Facebook post denouncing everything in the world and everybody that doesn't agree with you. Be be patient, he says. Be patient, therefore, brothers, unto the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. That's the third time he's used the word here establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. God's coming. There's going to be the final judgment. Everything's going to be set right. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge judge, is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, And you've seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. So in terms of history and and all the the ups and downs and all the fears that we have about what's going on in the world, and all the the pain of injustice and sickness and every kind of affliction, the Holy Spirit teaches us not to react emotionally emotionally with the first words or thoughts that come into our mind, but to be patient. Well, how can we do that? We're living in a sinful and evil world, and we get carried away by our emotions fairly quickly. The pandemic has people's nerves starting to fray. They get irritated with one another. I saw... On, on, on the internet a, a young girl knock over an old lady and she broke her leg because they were arguing about different ideas about whether to use masks or not to use masks. People are hurting each other. They're lashing out verbally uh, in, in real life or on social media. There are, there are acts of violence. And as we wait for God to set things right with the world, we as God's people, in the midst of all this turmoil, we need to be known as the community of love, joy, peace, and patience. In suffering, in injustice, when we are sinned against, when we are mistreated, no matter what painful unpleasant things are hammering at us, hammering at us and trying to crush us, we as God's children do not explode with angry, defensive, self-serving passion, but when we're crushed, when we're hurt, when we're hit, what comes out of us is love and joy and peace. Why? Because it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. That's why. And so we move to the second word, kindness. And if you turn to Romans 2, 4, you'll see how the patience and kindness are very connected. Romans chapter 2, verse 4, where the apostle says, Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience? That's the first word we looked at, patience. Notice how it's connected with kindness, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. So, patience and kindness. Go together with many other texts which show that that as well. And notice that that the scripture speaks about the the riches of his kindness. God doesn't just give a little little eyedropper and, and drop a few drops of kindness. They are not tiny drips ungraciously rationed, but there is lots of kindness. There is an infinite flowing flood of kindness which he pours upon us in Christ. Now, we have to understand, and we see that in Romans 2, 4, we should not mistake kindness and patience as a approval of sin. And the church often makes that mistake. The church says, well, let's be loving. How can we be loving? How can we be kind? How can we be patient? Oh, I know what we'll do. The people are living in sin, but we'll say, well, you know what? We're not going to discipline you because we love you. We're kind and we're patient. Just keep sinning and We love you anyway. Well, that's a total perversion of the truth of the gospel. The kindness and patience of the Lord and his kindness and patience in the church and through the gospel is meant to bring us to repentance, to deal with sin. So kindness comes with patience. Patience is to be slow to anger, and kindness is to be quick to show goodness to show mercy and to show love if you turn to psalm 145 again you'll see that in verse 13 psalm 145 we'll be singing that later psalm 145 13 where the scripture says this about god look at the last the, the, the last bit of the, the verse here the lord is faithful in all his words and kind in all his works. Look at verse 17, same thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. He's slow to be angry. He's quick to be gentle and loving and kind. And as we go through the scriptures, we don't have time to see all of the texts that I wanted to see, but let's see a few of them. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 6, for instance. 2 Corinthians 6, 6, where the apostle connects patience and kindness two Corinthians 6, 6, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit. Because that's where we get it from. That's who we get it from. Patience and kindness are bound up with having the Spirit and knowing the genuine love of God. We all know 1 Corinthians 13, right, what it says about love. Love is patient. Love is kind. Is the same connection. So God's patience is to be slow to give us what we deserve. You know, we often do the opposite, right? We often say, you're going to get what's coming to you. But God doesn't treat us that way. He's slow to anger. And God is quick to give us what we don't deserve. We read that in, in Titus in the reading he is, he is quick to give us unmerited favor, to give us grace in Christ. Look at Ephesians 2 verse 4 for a moment. Ephesians 2 4. And the apostle says, you know, we're sinners, we're children of wrath, but look at verse 4. But God being rich in mercy God is showing us the immeasurable riches of his grace towards us, his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. That's the key point here. It's all in Christ. It's all through Christ. It's all from Christ. And the neat thing about this word kindness that we have in our text is that that the word kind in, in Greek is chrestos or chrestos, and the word for Christ in Greek is Christos, so it sounds—it's just one letter different. It sounds very similar, and that's be, and 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 in, actually in church history, a lot of the early church fathers play on those words—the connection between those words and their early sermons because they preached in Greek. So this kindness is in Christ; it's through Christ. And the word kindness that we have in our text here is is a word which is very similar to the next word, to goodness. And it's kind of hard to tease out what the difference is, but I I think it's best described in this way, that the kindness is a goodness which is shown towards others. And we see that in our reading. We read Titus, and let's turn there, Titus chapter 3, verse 4. Paul says, you know, this is what sinners are like. We live uh, hating one another, and being hated. Not a lot of goodness, not a lot of patience, not a lot of kindness, but look at verse 4, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. Notice once again, he's He's pouring this grace out richly. Notice once again, he's pouring this out in and through Christ Jesus. And so in the Scripture, kindness is the disposition to do good to others, to seek the good of others, to show good to others. And this doing and the showing of good flows out of the next word in our text for this morning, which is the word goodness. It flows out of being good. You can't do good, you can't show good, unless you are first good. The reason God can show infinite kindness and infinite goodness is because he is infinitely good. We confess in the Belgian Confession, Article 1, he is the overflowing fountain of all good. All good things flow from him because he alone is good. Turn with me to James chapter 1 for a moment, verse 17, one of the uh, well-known texts which speaks about the the goodness of God. James says, you know, God can't tempt people to sin. He can't give us uh, bad things. He can't do bad things. Don't be deceived, he says, because he's totally good, verse 17. Every good gift And every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. God is invariably good. It's not like he's sometimes good and sometimes not. He's infinitely, profoundly, totally, eternally, and unchangingly good. And the Psalms speak about that. We don't have time to go to them and look them up right now, but you read through the Psalms, good and upright is the Lord, Psalm 25. Psalm 34, taste and see that the Lord is good. Psalm 100, the Lord is good. Psalm 106, Psalm 107, Psalm 118, give thanks to the Lord because He is good. That is the very character, the essence of who God is. He is love and He is pure, 100% distilled goodness. This is his character. This is who he is. And this is the character of his children when he lives in our hearts. When the Holy Spirit of God makes his home in our hearts, in our community, then we have heavenly patience, a godly slowness to anger when we are wronged. We have a default disposition to show goodness and kindness to others even when we get nothing back out of it. And this is rooted in who we are in Christ. Because it is no longer we who live, but Christ who lives in us. He is good. And that transforms who we are. So let's end now with the question. Can people say that about me? That's the question we have to ask ourselves. Can can people say that I... I am patient, slow to anger, that I am kind, and that I am good, that I have a good heart, that I'm a good person, that I live a good life, that I think good thoughts, and that I have good attitudes, and speak good words, and give good advice, and have good priorities, and that when people look at me, they say, you know, that person over there is just a good person not sometimes, all the time, not in just some ways, but in every way, just pure goodness. And we don't have time to you go back to Titus now, but you'll notice what, as we read through Titus chapter 2 and 3, how he kept saying, if we've been regenerated and changed by the Holy Spirit, and God's shown us His kindness and love, then that's going to look like something. It's going to look like a life of good works. And if you go back to those chapters and read them later, you'll see how often he makes that point that we ought to be good. And our life ought to be full of goodness, good works. What does the Paul say to the Ephesians, chapter 2, verse 10? We were created in Christ to walk in the good works that he created beforehand for us to walk in. We were created to be to be good and to do good. Now, this is a very, very, very high bar. The Scripture is telling us that we need to be like the Lord Jesus Christ in this world. And when we look in the mirror of the law, as we do every Sunday, we know that we don't look like him. Not half enough as we, as we should. So what do we do? We take inventory. What do we do if we don't see this happening enough? What if I, I think, Lord, I, I need to see more of the fruit of the Spirit in my life. I get angry way too quick. I'm not slow to anger. I've been, I don't know how many years under the gospel. I'm speaking now about myself. I'm not speaking for you. I don't know how many years. I've been half a century under the preaching of the gospel. And I lose my temper way too quickly. I don't have the patience and the kindness and the goodness that I would long to have. So what do we do? Do we try to work harder? Do we try to be all legalistic and and do better and, and impress God and impress our neighbor? No. works are of the flesh. The works of the flesh... That's what belong together, works and flesh. But but the Bible teaches us that we need the fruit of the Spirit. It's something that is given. It's something that is of grace. It's something that God pours out upon us. Let's go back to Titus one more time. We read it before the sermon. He says, you know, this is what people live like without the Spirit of God. They're foolish, verse 3 of chapter 3. They're disobedient. They're led astray. They're slaves to various passions and pleasures. They pass their days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. No, no patience, no kindness, no goodness. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, there's the hope. His goodness and His loving kindness in Christ explode into our miserable, sinful lives. And then what happens? Look at verse 5. There is washing. There is regeneration. There is new birth. There is new life. There is renewal. And it's not just a few drips. He pours it out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Brothers and sisters, there's the answer. And, you know, it's always the answer, isn't it? Christ is the answer. Every Sunday, every day, every sermon, every question, Christ is the answer. But let me end with a a bit of an analogy here. It's been hot the last few days, and, and I think the kids would... Love to be at the water park, right? When it's really, really hot. Maybe some of you went. And you can have a really nice water park with all pipes and all kinds of things which spray water and pools and big buckets that fill up and pour out on you. And it's just refreshing and delightful on a hot day to just rejoice in a water park. But what if all that pipe work and all those things that are there are not connected to the water main? Then what's the use, right? If there are just a few drips coming out, it's just no fun, is it? It just doesn't do anything. Well, use that picture in your mind, children, for what needs to happen with respect to the the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. We need to be connected to the mains. We need to be connected to the overflowing, infinite source and fount of all goodness, all patience, and all kindness. We need to be connected to the Lord Jesus Christ. And the only way to be connected to Christ is to believe in him, to put your faith in him, to love him, and to say to him, you are my Lord, you are my king, you are my life, you are my all i worship you and every thought every word every action everything that i have everything that i am belongs to you and serves for your glory we need to be connected to christ because if we're not connected to christ none of these fruit of the spirit will flow into our lives and so if you're seeing that your life is full of the works of the flesh a lot of anger a lot of bitterness and that you get really really mad real quick and that that's not changing then you need to go have a good, hard look at the spiritual plumbing in your life. And you have to maybe question whether you even know the Lord Jesus Christ. And maybe you need to fall down and plead with Him to come and to give you a new heart. Because where the Holy Spirit lives, there will be change. It will be made evident. And so we need that connection but then, brothers and sisters, you can have all the connections of the world, but if the taps aren't open, nothing's going to work, right? So how do we open those taps? How does this grace and this love and this goodness and the fruit of the Spirit, the power of the Spirit, how does it flow into our lives? Well, the taps have to be turned on. The connection has to be made, but the taps have to be turned on. And you know how that happens? Well, we, 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 we confess it in the Catechism, right? God gives His grace and Holy Spirit only to those with heartfelt longing constantly ask him for and thank him for these gifts so what am i saying i'm saying that if you want to live a life of love joy peace patience kindness goodness and all the other fruit of the spirit then you need to be connected to christ and you need to know the power of the spirit and you need to cry out to god to pour his love and grace into your heart and life. You know how he does that? Through the word and the sacraments. And so don't expect wonderful things to happen in your life if day by day, i am sure you, show up for church, but if day by day you're not beginning your day with prayer and Bible reading, that's a great sign, a great indicator of why you're not growing in the fruit of the Spirit. If we keep the taps turned off, then the connection basically doesn't mean a lot. Brother and sister, God is calling us to seek the Lord Jesus Christ, to be hungry for the Lord Jesus Christ, to be diligent in the reading and the hearing of God's holy word, to be diligent in crying out to him and pleading with him to work in our lives spirit of the lord jesus christ work in me the fruit of the spirit love and joy and peace and patience kindness goodness flood it lord into our hearts flooded into our souls flooded into our minds flooded into our lives make that connection god turn on the taps and let your name be glorified when the world sees this is the habitation of the living God. Amen.